everybody. Welcome back to the Noel Kassler podcast, episode 37. I'm back here with my main man and fearless executive producer, Big Jimmy Kennedy, here to break down the week's events and uh, hopefully make you guys laugh a little. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Noel. How are you, man? It's good to see you. Thank you, man. This is my my show week. My big show's coming up at the Wall Street Theater this Thursday, November 18th. There's still tickets available, so come on out. There's also virtual tickets. So if you listen to this podcast and you ever wonder what my live show is like, which I I, I think many people do (laughs) because they're like, how could somebody so angry be funny? I promise you it's funny. You know, it has the same kind of truth that I like to point out on Twitter and in the podcast but you know obviously I do it in a comedic format and then I just kind of open up and start telling stories about my life on the road which is uh I always leave that portion kind of open which is exciting because it's like working without a net you know I just a lot of these places I've been through with rock stars you know and there's a lot of crazy like things that happen on the road and I love to tell that stuff I love to make it a conversation you know it's the audience that makes the show that's probably never more true than comedy or jam bands. <laughs> and uh, I like mine to be like the jam band of comedy. You know, it's like if, if Woody Guthrie had a jam band, but told jokes, that, oh, that's wow. what I'm aiming for. So anyway, my point is it's, it's streamed. So you can actually watch it live if you want to just check in with my Twitter and you'll find the link. So I'm looking forward to that, Jimmy. It's a big show for me. My friends, the immediate family are playing in the same theater. I just talked to the great Russ Kunkel yesterday. He's one of the most legendary drummers in rock and roll. I mean, any of that Carol King, Tapestry, James Taylor, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Jackson Brown, you name it, that dude played on it. He's, he's like, I call him my godfather. You know, he's just this really cool guy who gives me great advice. And so they're going to be there Tuesday night at the theater too. You know, Leland Sklar, the greatest bass player ever. And, uh, or one of them. But um, so I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be a good vibe in that room. And you, you're, we're coming into that time of year where gratitude is the most important thing. You know, it's Thanksgiving, but gratitude to me, Jimmy, is like my lifeline. Gratitude is how I connect with something bigger than myself, because it's easy to get like bogged down the way things are going, you know, and we're living in this outrage cycle where we're outraged all the time, you know, and a lot of the problems I have, I try to speak out. And what, as you know, I'll get like, <laughs> I don't want to say attacked, but I'll make a joke. Like, here's an example. I made a joke last night. I don't even know what it was. It was about Chris. My my Twitter feed was all about like Chris Christie, you know, on all three <laughs> networks, right? He's got a book coming out, right? He's selling a book, you know, behind the scenes, tell all on Trump who he's not ruling out supporting again in the next election, right? The guy who killed 700,000 people. So Christie's got a book to sell. He's already got his ABC contract where he's all over ABC News on Sunday, right? CNN is running a special on Chris Christie tonight as if that's relevant, you know, as if anybody needs that, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then like all the other networks are just bending over backwards. Uh, Maggie Haberman did a big like article on him yesterday. And so that was my feed. My feed was Chris Christie selling himself and the guy, the little general dude, Mike Flynn, right? Mike Flynn telling a church full of QAnon believers, you know, that we could only have one religion in this country and it has to be Christianity and we have to live under one God, right? And I'll remind you that 
Mike Flynn's brother is in charge of the entire Pacific fleet of the, of the you know the, the Navy or whatever the armed forces. He's a Pentagon official who wouldn't let the Pentagon get involved in stopping January sixth. You know, so he was in on the insurrection and he was rewarded with that by being in charge of like the Pacific fleet. You know, like that's insane. That's a big chunk of the world and our military presence. And this lunatic's brother is in charge of it just to point out how dangerous something like this is, right? So that's what I see on my Twitter feed, right? So I make a joke to address that, but try to point out the truths of the situation. And I said, the only thing that'll save this country is if Chris Christie runs out of snacks and eats Mike Flynn, right? Yeah. Right, right. so it's a joke yeah. meant, meant, meant to point out two things, right? One, that Mike Flynn is, is crazy and dangerous, okay? And that Chris Christie is a glutton. And I don't just mean this in terms of like eating too much. Okay. I eat too much. Like I'm not, you know, saying it that way. I'm talking about like, he has an unlimited appetite to feed himself, whether that is power or money or attention. You know, he's, I've known the guy for 15 years. He's as scummy as they come in terms of politicians. I live in the tri-state area and I'll tell a little story about him in a second, but that's the point of the the joke I made. And then Mm -hmm. of course, a lot of people liked it because I'm trying to lighten the mood, but keep my foot on the gas in terms of the truths that we have to be paying attention to, you know? And it was uh, one of these popular tweets or whatever, but then some people are like fat shaming, not funny. How dare you fat shame him? You're better than that. First of all, I'm not better than that. So don't assume that. Assume you're following the wrong dude. And I block those people right away because I don't need the negative energy of somebody who's going to take their time to like make me tired in speaking out because that's what it does. And, And here's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, if I was sitting there, like if he was in a nightclub with his family and I just started talking about how fat he was to his Mm. face, that would be fat shaming. That would be bullying and and just dumb and beneath me. And I don't do things like that in my act. I didn't tag him in the tweet. He's a big boy, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he can survive it. But actually, it was kind of a pun in there. He's a very big boy. But um, yeah. The point is, you know, I'm pointing out truths and you have to roll up your sleeve. And what I'm trying to say is it gets so tiring on the left. We're like getting our asses kicked, whether you think it or not. The right wing and the QAnon nuts are having rallies every weekend. Fox News is broadcasting poison 24-7 and it's just one of the networks, you know. Bannon gets an arrest warrant and gets the weekend off to record his podcast and he shows up at his convenience on Monday. So Mm -hmm. they're kicking your ass and we try to fight back. And then people on the left are like, oh, that's fat shaming. You shouldn't say that. You know, it's not. Okay. And if, and if it is, this is the time for that. You got to start slinging some mud because they're gonna, do do, do you see what I'm saying, Jimmy? It's a big problem on the left. And and it's not about me. It's just about, you get so tired speaking out because you're not going to please everybody. Yeah. It's not pretty. This is not pretty to me. If this wasn't like, if the country wasn't in flames, you wouldn't even know my name. I wouldn't be here doing this. Trust me, I'd be out in my barn painting or playing guitars. I'm doing this because I know I do have a skill that's particularly suited towards this because I survived a childhood where how you got through it in my neighborhood was learning how to like make fun of other people. And you had to do it like, you have to like, 
swing for the fences. When, when you're punching back on somebody, you got to like connect. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you got to be tough. Go. As somebody with a disability, like you had to be able to take a punch and dish it back out in a charming way. You know, not only did it have to be effective, it had to be smooth in order for you to walk away unharmed. You know, I was never bullied, but like I would hear the whispers in the hallway. Hey, look at Jimmy okay. you know, being subtly made fun of. And that's what the real bullies do because they're too much of a, I'm not going to say the word to actually confront somebody for being smaller than them. And I've, I've made up for my size, you know, as far as fat shaming, I've also made fun of myself. You know, that's the way I survived school was before I got made fun of, I made fun of myself. I'm a lot of material, by the way, you know, between the, you know, being overweight, having glasses, uh, psoriasis, you know, like that's the other way that you can do it is like you get ahead of them by making fun of yourself, but then you just beat yourself up. So I've kind of learned to unlearn that behavior but yeah man I, I totally get that like it's going to public school can be difficult because you're just trying to find your place in whatever group that you fit in and then eventually you get to the real world and you try to find out who you really are you know I, I don't know exactly and bullying <laughs> is horrible you know and the times that I've made fun of somebody where I shouldn't have they bother me to this day. I remember things I said as a kid where I could have taken a, you know, a higher road. And I said something out of my own insecurity. You know, yeah. every, my sense of humor is developed because I was so insecure inside. Right. You know, I lived with a, a single mom. We had no money. I didn't know where my dad was. <laughs> you know, I slept on a chase lounge for some of my childhood. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have the cool clothes all the time. You know, I had a lot of things I was, trying to cover up for. And I lived in a neighborhood that was brutal because poverty is brutal. Poor kids in my neighborhood were brutal on each other. You know, just like that old Eddie Murphy sketch, like you ain't got no ice cream. So your dad's an alcoholic. That was it, bro. That came out when I was like in sixth grade and that described perfectly what we were living in. But there was also laughter and love in that, you know, and part of it is just kind of like, hey, we're going to get past this, you know, suck it up. My shoes suck too, or whatever. You know, there, there was a good natured part of it. It wasn't all brutal, but you know, just this cloying kind of like, oh, you shouldn't be saying that's not funny. Don't tell me what you think is funny. Unfollow <laughs> me, but don't go out of your way to reply to it. Cause I'm going to block you. Cause it's tiring for me. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't get paid for this. Yeah. I do comedy shows and I'm trying to get other people paid. That's why I'm doing these shows now is people that are helping me like you, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. but, um, you know, so I'm just trying to say like, you better toughen up somehow, you know, <laughs> it's not always sinking to their level, but it's, you got to get, we have to get better at messaging and branding because it's not really working the way it's going, you know, like we've had a couple victories, but they've gotten all this gerrymandering stuff through. They still have their spoilers like Joe Manchin you know, who's opposed to everything that comes out, you know, he's just, he's there to be a spoiler. That's who he is. He's a human like block, you know, he's a pick, like he's setting a pick on any kind of legislative mobility that right. Trump and the Democrats have out of his own narcissism, his own desire for more wealth, you know, and he's got these crazy people on, on the other side, you know, Kristen Cinema, they're a duo, uh -huh. right? And, and people are like, don't make fun of her clothes. I'm tired of you making fun of Kristen Sinema's clothes. Not to me, but I see people saying that on Twitter. It's like, no, she's wearing a fucking cut off jean jacket on the floor of the Senate. 
You're, mm -hmm. you're doing it out of respect. You're dressing nice because you're representing other people in a very sober, serious environment. I, the guy who said that is a lawyer and he's a friend of mine, but I hardly think he tells his clients to wear a t-shirt when they're coming to court to face the judge right? Mm -hmm. You dress a certain way out of respect and it has nothing to do with money. And Kristen Cinema has plenty of money, right? So she's not dressing appropriately because she doesn't have the funds. You know, you could walk into any goodwill in America and get an outfit that is appropriate to wear, you know, exactly. on the Senate. And if you don't have it, I'll send you a gift card, Kristen, but get some goddamn clothes and, and have some respect because you're representing people's lives. You know, some little kid's not going to go to a dentist, because, uh, you know, she's blocking legislation. Some old person's not going to get eye care, like, and dental care. It's insane that the problems we're facing and we're not, like, calling it out like it should be. The reason Trump became president, because he had no qualms about bullying everybody on that stage. And he went through them one after another and knocked them down like bowling pins, right? Ted Cruz, little Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush. He was just ripping him a new one because he was a guy from New York who grew up around mobsters and busting each other's balls is what you do. You need a New York, you, you know what you need? You need a democratic New Yorker. Like you need somebody from this world. That's why I spoke out about Trump because I'm like, I know who this guy is. People are like, aren't you afraid to talk about him? No, I'm not afraid. He's a coward. I've seen the dude. He wears makeup and a fucking diaper. He's the scaredest like little prick you'll ever meet. He surrounds himself with cops, ex-NYPD cops and tough guys and Chuck Zito and Hell's Angels and stuff to appear cool because he knows he's going to get into some blow and some sexual predation at the party mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to get his ass kicked. <laughs> okay. But one-on-one, -on -one, the guy's a coward because he has such a deep desire to be liked. And you need people that are, aren't afraid to call out the BS. That's the big problem is that everyone's trying to play nice, you know, and we're well past nice. You're not getting this country back to the way you had it. Sorry to say Trump broke it. You mm -hmm. let a guy like that sleep in your bed. You need to throw out the mattress as a metaphor. You know what I'm saying, Jimmy? Well, well you know, bro, you were talking about like the representation visually, the, the optics that Christian cinema is giving off wearing, you know, uh, sons of anarchy garb on the floor of, uh, of the Senate. Ted Cruz showed up in his basketball shorts and was mad that they interrupted his basketball game when he's a representative for the state of Texas. And you talked about like the importance of dressing nice and everything else. Kyle Rittenhouse could show up in a thong and he's still going to get away with this thing because of the judge. I mean, this judge is crazy. The, the text that he's reading he had the defense get a standing ovation. Like I haven't seen that in movies, let alone real life. You know, like it's a rigged system and they're bragging about it on live TV. Great example. And look, he had them applaud the, the first witness, you know, that the defense called and people defended that when it was called out. People that follow me and I saw him on Twitter being like, oh, well, he was just honoring the veterans. No, he wasn't. Yeah. He'd already had the pretrial information, so he knew that that witness was a veteran. That was a loaded question. That's why he said it like, hey, is anybody in here in the veteran? A veteran? Not just jurors, any person in here. That was the lead for that guy to raise his hand. And then he's like, let's give a round of applause to this guy. So he was setting the jury up to say, hey, here's the hero. The guy who's in favor of what the defense is arguing is the real American who served this country. That's why he spends the rest of the time berating the prosecution. That is the craziest thing I've ever witnessed, this trial. This judge, you know, he had his ringtone that went off that was Lee, Lee Greenwood's, you know, 
if that happens and I'm on trial, you might as well just fire up the electric chair because I know my <laughs> ass is going to jail. You know what I mean? This guy couldn't be any more blatant. He's reading cookie catalogs. That's the same thing that Jim Jordan does when he yawns during Trump's impeachment. They're trying to be like, look how boring this is. Look at these boring liberals. Oh, now the defense is speaking. Yeah, God bless America. You know, it's kick ass, you know, and why don't you do an impress? Yeah, did you see the way the guy cried, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't do it justice. I mean, it, the Oscar goes to Kyle Rittenhouse. No, you know, not an it. Oscar, Jimmy. That was the worst <laughs> acting ever is overacting. If you want to win an <laughs> yeah. Oscar, I'll tell you how you do it. You try your hard not to cry. Okay. If you want to be really emotive and you want to really uh -huh. affect people, get just to the point you're about to cry and then try not to cry. Double it back. That's how you're going to show truthful. You don't look like you're having a convulsion. You know, that guy was just like, what are you doing? It was the most stupid over the top thing. And it'll work. He's going to like Kavanaugh, man. Just like Kavanaugh. Same deal. Right. White boy cry. Fat face crying. Sorry to fat shame. But you know, <laughs> that kid looks like he has a big glass of gravy and buttermilk for breakfast every day. You know? Yeah. Well, I look forward to uh, Chris Christie being on TLC. You know, my 600 pound life is going to be great on that. Show. Oh, man, we're going to get hate mail. So. so let me tell you a Chris Christie story, dude. So we did Hurricane Sandy, Super Storm Sandy. I'm sure you heard about it, Jimmy. It was this massive you know, storm mm -hmm. that we had in 2012 in New York, right? End of October and stuff. And it just destroyed parts of New York City, the Rockaways, and, and Jersey got hit probably the hardest, right? So uh -huh. Chris Christie's state was just, you know, practically underwater. And a couple days after it, like two days after it, not even, I think the storm was like on a Wednesday or a Tuesday, we did a on Friday, we did a benefit at NBC, a telethon to raise money because people needed everything. Their homes were destroyed. So mm -hmm. we did this telethon and you had like Springsteen and Bon Jovi. I was there working with Bon Jovi and uh, all these people come in. Right. And then Chris Christie came in. You know, we had leaders come in like Cory Booker, who was literally driving around for two days telling people like, just DM me what you need. And he was dropping off pampers at two in the morning to his constituents in Newark. Like it was one of the most heroic things I've seen a politician do. And I remember his security guard was there and I was like, yo, is this guy legit? He's like, is he legit? He's like, bro, somebody will be like, yo, I need baby food. I'm at such and such. And he'll hit me up and be like, yo, we're going there now, dude. And he'll go buy it out of his own pocket and drop it off. I mean, that guy is out there hel helping people, right? So yeah. contrast it with this. Chris Christie is the governor of the state. The first thing he does is have a photo op with Obama. Obama, President Obama flies up and they walk around the beach or something to survey the damage because Christie sees it as his big moment to be like a moderate. You know, Christie's eye in the White House at this point. So he's using this whole thing for his own optics. Again, gluttony caring more about feeding yourself and your own ambitions than helping people, right? Right. So once he hears Springsteen is playing, because it was Bruce and the E Street Band. I think we did it in Jimmy Fallon's studio. And uh, so Christie is a lifelong Springsteen fan, right? He's a Jersey guy, you know, and he's always been chasing Bruce to get a picture and a photo op. And Bruce ain't falling for that, okay? <laughs> Bruce is a, a Democrat and you ain't using him. Reagan tried it with Born in the USA and like, he ain't stupid, right? So he'd been dodging that, right? But Christie is invited to, you know, give a speech and ask for help on this telethon. And he hears that Springsteen's gonna be on it too. So he comes into New York City to where we're filming in Rockefeller Center and brings a shoebox full of ticket stubs to show Bruce like what a fan he is. 
and tries to get into his dressing room. And, and Bruce's guys are like, no, we're not doing this. But he was like, can I get a picture and stuff? You know, and I don't remember if he actually got the picture, but I remember witnessing it and being like, how shameless is this? This yeah. guy's got millions of people that are living underwater without power right now, you know, and he's trying to get a fucking selfie with Bruce Springsteen and brag about how many shows he'd been to. And I was watching it with like Bon Jovi, who just drove in from like feeding people out of soup kitchen and driving around like his town in Jersey and making sure people were okay. You know, and Bruce was there with his band because he knew he could raise a lot of money. He did the same thing after 9-11. Like he shows up to help people. And here's the governor of the state showing up for his own aggrandization, you know, for his own like star trip to meet Bruce and obviously to help his own political career. Because he obviously wanted a photo to be like, look, here's me and the boss helping out. He's not helping out. Okay. And, and first of all, he went along with Trump the whole time. Right. He tried to get in on that orbit. Nobody knows what a scumbag the Kushners and Trump are probably better than Chris Christie, because when he was a federal prosecutor, obviously he prosecuted Charles Kushner and he got a lot of the info he used to sort of like make Kushner take the deal from Trump himself. And we can touch on that in another episode. It gets complicated. But Charles Kushner used to step out with prostitutes in New York City, prostitutes that look more like you and I than your mom, if you know what I mean, or sister, you know, but it's not really good to be that way if you're an Orthodox, you know, conservative Uh Jew. So, you know, and they had him that they had him over a barrel. The New Yorker started to touch on that, but they they didn't point out the sex of the prostitute, which has a lot to do with the story. And that's why Charles Kushner took the deal. Because billionaires don't generally take deals and go to prison. And Kushner took it right away. And what Kushner did was set up his brother-in-law with a prostitute because he was trying to screw his sister out of money in the family business, right? So he he did the same thing he'd been doing, which is Trump 101, right? It's always projection. It's always these, we're going to accuse you of what we do himself. And he thought he'd get away with it. Just like Trump never planned on Putin holding all of the tapes that he had on him. Because Trump's like, I do this to everybody else. Nobody's filming me. So anyway, Chris Christie, if he had any balls and he doesn't, you've seen his little camel toe when he does the, like baseball. Have you ever seen the picture of him throwing out a pitch? Regretfully, yes. It's like somebody put a watermelon. Talk about <laughs> like, you know, that's called suprapubic fat, Jimmy. Just if you want to know the technical term for that, it's the fat that builds up above your groin area sub Mm -hmm. sub suprapubic fat it's something that he has in common with trump trump has a huge amount of that too that's why they strap him into a girdle when he goes out in public (laughs) stuff just to gross everybody out thanksgiving is coming out okay that gravy goes (laughs) right to your suprapubic fat okay but anyway my point is he could have buried trump and he's a you know criminal himself chris christie like made his a woman who worked in his office take the hit for closing down the bridge you know they put the screws on a politician in north jersey and shut down a bridge just to screw the guy to make his constituents hate him which meant people were sitting in ambulances and couldn't get to the hospital and died so and he got away with it so my point is he's a scumbag you're fighting scumbags okay so stop attacking everybody on the left come up with a game plan how you're going to save this thing that you're probably not even going to be able to save at this point. You know, people are really Pollyanna-ish about like, oh, we're going to vote them out. Blue wave is coming. You know, those gerrymandered districts are going to be a rude awakening. Well, and they can throw out the results. You know, in certain states, they've got the electors where they can just say, eh, we we think we won, you know, and your story about um, 
Chris Christie reminded me of the way Giuliani, you talked about him and the way he would be like proud walking around at the 9-11 ceremonies. Right. That's, that's, not, right. that's not a day where you're proud, man. Right. Like at least be somber. You, you know, nailed you nailed it. You nailed it. God. No, that's I, it. I you nailed it, Jimmy. Yeah, I said no, it better no. than I did. That yeah. was the thing. He was smiling. He's like, oh, look, it's Springsteen. Mm-hmm. You know, like what? This is not this is not one of those shows where we're like, oh, let's celebrate. You know, yeah. this reminds me, we did a benefit for that thing at the garden, like a few weeks, a few weeks later, the, the it was called 1212 something Sandy right. benefit, right? We had the Rolling Stones. That was when I was working on the Stones East Coast show, tour. And uh, so they played it you know, everybody. And I was the AFTRA coordinator, the SAG AFTRA coordinator, which means you have to get everybody to sign off this paperwork because it's going to be televised. Right. And uh, I got everybody to sign it. Billy Joel, Springsteen's camp, Stones, everybody, you know, except for Kanye. And I'm Mm. chasing Kanye all night and it's like poor road because he's the worst to work with. Right. Everyone knows it. Just a nightmare, as you could imagine. Right. So like and he muscled his way into the show. He wasn't asked originally, and, and he just kept hammering people like, you got to have me on this thing. I got to be here. Yee's got to be here. And we're like, it's not really about the artist, though. We're trying to do this as a benefit. <laughs> we don't want to have to pay a bunch of extra money because you're going to be a nightmare and not show up on time and stuff like he everyone knew he was. Right. But so they relented and let him on the show. And then I'm the first guy who sort of has to deal with them legally to get this paperwork. And I'm chasing him all night. And finally, his man, and it's only to get like 700 bucks or whatever the SAG wage is. So it's not really about the money. It's about getting the rights to use the footage, right? Because it's a fundraiser, right? And at one point, they were going to put out a movie or some DVD or something to make more money for the people we're raising money for. I'm chasing this guy all night. And it's like, oh, 10 minutes later. And I'm not chasing Kanye. I know better than to talk to him. I'm chasing like the tour manager guy, you know? (laughs) And finally, he was this British guy. And finally, he goes, hey, mate. Let's be honest. This guy's never fucking signing this thing. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I know. He's like, stop wasting your time. Wh- whatever will happen will happen. You know, we just won't use his footage. And that's what happened. We couldn't use the performance that he muscled his way into and raise any money off of his name or his thing because he was too nutty to do his basic housekeeping and sign the thing. Right. And my point is, like, there's some events you just stay away from. If you're a narcissist, 9-11 with Giuliani, you know, Chris Christie with a fundraiser telethon kind of thing. And, and that's how he was. He was smiling and thinking about himself. Meanwhile, people were sitting there with three feet of water in their living room and wondering how their baby was going to get like, you know, milk and diapers the next day. Like, and this asshole is in here trying to get, you know, a picture with Springsteen. It, it, it makes you angry. And what makes me angry about it is how much of the media ecosystem feeds into this thing? You know, why do you think CNN and New York Times and, and ABC are all on board with Chris Christie? Because there's money in it. There's a lot more money on the right than there is on the left. Because people on the left do other things. But people on the right just consume hate. That's why mm-hmm. on Fox News, right, they've been attacking Kamala Harris all week because she used a proper accent when speaking French. Because she went to school in Montreal. Quebec, Canada, a French province of Canada where they speak French. So she used the proper pronunciation of the or whatever. And it was like the end times on Fox News. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they had Kyle Rittenhouse's mother on there 
who couldn't speak English. She couldn't, you know, I don't mean speak English like in a racist way. I mean, she didn't have any sentence structure. She was obviously uneducated, which is no problem. I want the uneducated speaking. It's why I get so mad when people try to correct other people's grammar on Twitter. It's like, that's not the place for this. We want everybody's voice, okay? But you can't pretend like you're outraged at Kamala Harris, an educated African-American woman who happens to be the vice president of the United States, and you should pay her the respect that she deserves, right? But they'll attack her and not say a damn thing about some white trash lady who can't even talk, you know, who drove her son with his like illegal weapon across state lines to kill people. Now, he's a hero. So there's a reason that they have her on there because that's how they want their team to ingest things. Hey, don't trust these fancy people speaking in these foreign tongues. Here's a nice white, fat, white woman like you like. She talks like you do. She talks like every conversation she has in the line at Walmart, right? Well, I know for a fact that I wasn't carrying an AR-15 around at 17 years old, asking my mom to drive to another county to go to a riot to, you know, shoot two people and paralyze another. And the fact that, you know, Fox News is using Kyle Rittenhouse's mom to score points with their base Knowing that the people that Kyle killed, you know, those parents don't get their children back. <laughs> they're they're gone, you know. Okay. So, and, you know, Mark Meadows was on Newsmax. I saw a clip of this uh, before I got on the show. He was saying, you know, this, this commission, it's their way or the highway. That's what a fucking subpoena is, man. Like, they're walking around. It's the impunity that they're walking around with that makes it so goddamn frustrating. Because they know they're going to get away with it, Jimmy. They always do, just like Trump stalls everything in court because he knows he's got more money than you. Summer Zervos, who I've met, had to drop her lawsuit this week because after five years, she couldn't afford to like do any more to keep it going. You know, it costs a lot to spend 700 bucks an hour on a lawyer. And like Trump knows that he knows he'll grind you down. Yeah, he may be a fake billionaire, but he's got enough to spend on lawsuits over the average person. And most people don't want to be bothered. So they're applying the same thing. You know, how is Kyle Rittenhouse's mom not under arrest? She knows something that should be a bigger deal than it is, Jimmy. She's somehow getting a pass that a parent was involved in this. I drove through Sandy Hook yesterday. Okay. The mom of that shooter brought her son who had behavioral issues, right? We don't know what he was because he's dead, but he was something. There was something wrong with the kid. He was on the spectrum somehow, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he had some sort of thing where he wasn't like communicative. You know, he wasn't normal with his siblings or his parents. So she wanted to bond with him. So she bought him the AR-15 to bond with him. And he was, she was his first victim. He walked into her bedroom and shot her first dead with this thing. You know, you don't give your troubled son an AR-15. I can tell by Kyle Rittenhouse looking at him in court that that kid's a psychopath too. I can see it all over his goddamn face, you know? And they asked him why he wanted that gun. He said, cause it looked cool. And like you said, you know, when I was 17, you know what looked cool to me? Titties and guitars. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) <laughs> true like, you know, do you know what i'm saying like and you get like a gun looks cool like you yeah. got tiktok you're in the like renaissance of being a teenage boy you can call up girl you know you can look on your phone and look at hot chicks all day 
Swipe yeah. right, brother. Come exactly. on. Exactly. And you're and you're trying to go, you know, shoot people in another state. But you know, I'm saying that lighthearted, but that's the reality is they're building warriors. He probably thought he'd get chicks of them doing that. And by the way, there's a video of him beating the hell out of a girl on Twitter. He got in a fight in a parking lot and it was swinging like wildly on this girl. And the two guys that were filming, it sounded to me like African-American guys that I'm not trying to get, you know, like, but they sound, you know, they sounded like black guys. And as soon as they heard it, they flew out of that car and stopped the fight and right. did the right thing, you know, and that's not allowed to be in court. The dude beat women, which is a big part of this whole thing. Most of the guys that work with Trump are violent against women. It's part of this whole white Christianity, you know, woman's dude. places in the house, all this bullshit, you know? That's so true because I, I shared something on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, and it was for all the folks sharing pictures of Kyle Rittenhouse cleaning up graffiti. Here's a picture of uh, Charles Manson playing guitar in a church. Like just because you're doing a good deed, it doesn't mean you're not crazy and you shouldn't be in prison. Right. Like I'm not, you know, it's not an equal equation, but look at the totality of this guy in the time that this has happened. And obviously the judge is compromised. It's just, Look at it from the outside, not just a, an isolated view. I know, but it's again, it's, yeah. you know, these totems of what they're selling as this this white kind of like, we're the good guys, you know, right. dumb, ignorant white people with guns in a Bible. You know, Marjorie <laughs> Taylor Greene put a picture of her reading a Bible with like 15 crosses behind her on the wall. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is not reading the Bible. OK, the Bible's hard to read. OK, like I've heard her talk. She doesn't know what's in the Bible. It's just this trigger word. You know, they had, a, as we said at the top of the show, there's a QAnon rally in a megachurch last night. And those things are tax free. They get 30,000 people every Sunday giving up their money to a pastor who isn't paying a dime in taxes and he's going out and buying another Ferrari or a Lamborghini, you know, to park in front of his 17,000 square foot house and people eat this stuff up like it's crazy, you know, well, like, and, and they're, they're chanting, let's go, Brandon, right. in, the, in the pews, you know, it, it's not a Yankees game. Not that that's appropriate at a Yankees game, but this is church for Christ, for God's sake, you know, like, don't do it. Uh, man, we, we are at a uh, unfamiliar territory, dude. Like, this is, I've never seen this before, the way this is going. Nobody's seen it before. Nobody's seen it before, you know, and the supply chain BS, you know, I was at a mall on Friday, the Danbury Mall. Jimmy, there are no shortages of goods out there. Okay, I know there's some worldwide because we shut down the world for a year and a half. So go figure the part for your washing machine is going to be a little backed up because factories were closed for a while in Asia. But like there's a lot of crap out there to buy painting it like there's not going to be any Christmas because there's nothing to buy. There's all kinds of cheap shit out there in all those department stores, Primark and Uniqlo and all these places that Americans shop and they think, oh, what a bargain. I can get a, a hiking boot for $20 and a pair of cargo pants and all this other cheap crap that I just bought a year ago. And then I'll give it away and we'll send it over to Ghana and it'll like destroy the beaches and the infrastructure. Cause that's the downside of all this cheap shit that everybody's buying now all the time. You know, we give it away every year and put it in those dumpsters that you see in the parking lots and stuff, that stuff, there's a big business in shipping that stuff to Africa. Mm. And Ghana was one of the big countries taking it in. And, right. and there's so much of it that they can't keep up with it. So it's just piling up everywhere. So half right. the country is just like a big pile of like 
clothes you know what i mean and they're on the beaches they're going into the ocean and killing marine life and stuff because it's just there's too much of it they're, you don't need that kind of stuff you know save up and buy the 50 dollars sweater and take care of it you know I, i'm not saying people shouldn't have access to cheap goods but there's just way too much of it i walked through a store called primark on friday and i couldn't believe it you know this stuff was just cheap and there's just tons of it and just completely disposable and made out of polyester and crap and plastic you know <laughs> there's just like nothing good of it it's the clothing equivalent of like you know water bottles plastic oh, wow. water bottles you know what i'm saying like buy a reusable water bottle you know because you're flooding the planet with this crap you're not going to keep it. It's not going to last you a long time. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's just junk and you're going to throw it out next year when you, you know, or six months from now or something. And I think it is Ghana. Yeah, it's Ghana. It's, it's, the, it's the African nation that was sort of doing a lot of this brokering because right. they'll sell this stuff. But, you know, the stuff that doesn't get resold in Goodwill and places in America gets shipped to Africa. You're basically mm -hmm. sending our junk there. They don't need it, you know, and they're like, stop, we've got too much. Stop sending it here, you know? So that's part of our society is we feel like, well, I'm giving it away to charity. Well, there's enough shit in the world. The problem we have in the world isn't people walking around naked anymore. Like well, it, one, one of the best documentaries I saw in college, it was about consumer capitalism. And this was about more the grocery store and how like, you don't need 15 types of Chips Ahoy cookies. That's not the way the world used to work. Right. And it creates so much trash that it adds to global warming and, you know, the ocean gyres and things. And like um, shampoo is another, there should only be a few kinds of shampoo as opposed to the 80 types that we have in our selection. Well, Ameri Americans like options, but we need a few less options for the good of the planet. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And things that come in disposable plastic bottles should just be illegal, period. Yeah. You should have to bring a jar and, and buy it in bulk. That's how you should get your shampoo. You should be in a refillable thing or some kind of biodegradable pouch that comes to your house and then you pour it in your permanent like container. Throwing out a plastic bottle and a plastic razor and a plastic whatever. You know, the first piece of plastic ever made is still on this planet, Jimmy. Plastic mm -hmm. has a half-life of like billions of years. It doesn't disintegrate. You and your brethren and any kids, 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 kids you'll ever have will be gone from this earth before the plastic toothbrush that you used when you were five years old will. Okay, that's the reality of this stuff and it has to go somewhere and it will be illegal someday. You know, there'll be someday it'll be like, can you believe people did this stuff? Just like now we're like, can you believe they did foot binding? You know, do you know what foot binding is, Jimmy? Is that from Asian cultures? Yeah, they, they, they thought yeah. it was attractive to have small feet in the women. So they right. would wrap a rope around the feet and like deform the bones into like hooves. Right. Right. And that's it... insane. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's insane. Right. It's insane that we would kill whales for oil, mm -hmm. you know, sperm whales to get whale oil to put in a heating lamp. Use a candle. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's that was cutting edge fuel technology at one point on this planet. Whale oil. Just like, you know, if we survive a thousand years from now, they'll be like, can you believe people would burn coal? Like, how stupid are these people? They would dig up a, a, a hole in the ground and take oil out of it, knowing it was this poisonous thing that they had no, no business in society. And then someone else will be like, they didn't just make oil out of it for cars. They made everything out of it. Plastic mm -hmm. bottles, because all that stuff's made out of oil. That's what petrochemicals are. And that's what the Koch brothers sell. So now you see how it's all connected. The Koch brothers are the supply chain 
You know, they're like the drug dealer that moves this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. They got all the pipelines and everything, and they have all the the plants, the refinery, because that's where the money comes in. It's like how you're breaking it down. The guy who's making the crack is is getting a big bunch of money and distributing the crack is making more money than the guy who just brings the kilo of weight over on the speedboat. Right. right? From, right. So they're the guys that are controlling the infrastructure. And that's why they're controlling the political infrastructure in this country. Mm-hmm. You follow me? You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's why they're buying politicians. And that's why the politicians that are aligned with those people are so desperate to promote ignorance over education. That's why they're burning books. That's why they don't want you understanding what critical race theory is, right? Because if too many poor whites learn how bad we screwed over blacks, they're going to realize how bad they're getting screwed over too, and how much they participated in a system that was never aligned to help them. And that's never been more exaggerated than it is now, right? Because the one percenters, the billionaires control like 98% of the wealth. And we're over here fighting over crumbs, whether old people should have like dental care or not, right? Dudes are flying into space on rocket ships and we can't agree on whether grandpa should be able to chew bread. And at some point, you know, it's, it's Michael Flynn, the crazy general, ex-general who is saying that America needs to be one nation under God, you know, all this crap. Yet they're not doing the Christian thing in action, <laughs> giving money to people to take care of their teeth, to improve their bodies, improve their lives. You know, that, that's part of the con, too. And we, we've talked about it. That's part of the danger in this. They've not only tied nationalism together, they've tied Christianity into it, which is exact. And you've mentioned it here before. I'll say it now. That's exactly what happened in the Middle East and what we fought for 20 years. And look what happened. It came home to affect us and- all for one guy. Exactly. And they're doing it like this, my team against your team. That's the most dangerous thing is this binary kind of polarization. You know, my car rant on Friday was about this forced tribalism, Mm -hmm. you know, and and how people aren't looking at facts. They're just like, screw you. I'm voting against, you know, the Build Back Better plan, you know, and they had death threats against Mm -hmm. the 13 Republicans that voted for bridges, for roads. (laughs) for things that are going to help their constituents, which is literally the gig. The gig of a congressman is go to D.C. and get me some money because I need to get this road fixed that I drive to work on every day. And I want my kids to be in a school bus that isn't going to be like from 1971 and like polluting the planet when it takes them down the road. So go get us some help for this. I'd like to have Wi-Fi too. get us broadband. Right. But the 13 people that voted for that got death threats immediately and who told him to you know attack them trump did right he had a rally at at doral down in miami and he said like those guys are scumbags they gave biden a win i just can't have it so they attacked him and one of the ladies had to leave the place she was shaken she was Mm -hmm. so scared she was shaking because she's from staten island too so she knows she knows who trump knows and knows like you go against the mob it doesn't work out well for your health and uh it just reminds me, I'm supposed to talk about that Harold Bornstein thing for one of our listeners. Oh, yeah. I'd have to do that next week because that's a lot for people that I'm already kind of firing on. Uh, <laughs> I'm already got the amp up to 11 on this episode. But anyway, so like that's what my car rant is about is this tribalism. And you know how I put these out every Friday. I, I do them like Trump truths and then I'll pick three subjects that are in my little two minute rant. GOP, DOJ and tribalism was this one, right? Right. I put it out. A friend of mine retweeted it. Bonnie Raitt's guitar player, the great George Marinelli. 
and somebody commented on his thing. Tribalism is a racist word. You white people are just so jealous of our indigenous people's success. Okay. Mm. Okay. Now, now, first of all, I'm sorry if I offended anybody. And I'm a former road manager for Bad Dog, which is John Trudell's group. John Trudell helped found the American Indian movement. You know, he was one of the guys like with Leonard Peltier and stuff. One of the guys who brought Native American like rights into the forefront in the 70s. You know, he's as big a hero. He's like the Martin Luther King of the you know American Indian, a poet and this great guy. He was a musician. He had a band and everything just a wonderful guy that this chick probably didn't even know who he was. Right. But she didn't. And she probably didn't even listen to my rant because she could clearly say I'm probably an ally in some respects. Do you know what I'm saying? If you look at my body of work, it's not to like insult minority. Okay. Like how many times have we talked about what the, we've done to native American cultures on this show? Okay. <laughs> but she just immediately does that because she sees a trigger word, right? Tribalism. That's racist. Okay. Do you know what the, the Celtic tribes are, Jimmy? Let me give you a couple examples of the Celtic tribes, which started in Central Europe. The Irish came out of the Celtic tribes and the Britons came out of the Celtic tribes. I'm compromised of Irish and Britain, British blood, right? So I'm a tribal member. Do, do you, say, do you see right. what I'm saying? She just thought tribes immediately meant American Indians, right? Instead of the term itself as a grouping right. of people. It's a political construct right, right, in, in, the, right. in, the, in how I'm saying it. And it wasn't like I said, Indian giver or, you know, some kind of like thing that I could see would, would be in poor right. taste. But like tribalism, okay. you didn't invent the word tribe. But it's just that kind of thing that you go, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, right. like, God, why bother? And that's the left. That's that thing I'm trying to talk about. And you'll get less and less people speaking out, you know, unless you're in it for a pack. If you got your own pack, you don't care. If you and your brothers are getting rich, you know, spend my video around, send me money, you know, help me battle. Then yeah, this is a good scam. But if you're not in it for the money, you know, if you really care about this stuff, you're going to get worn down by this sort of online Twitter culture. It's part of the same beast, the same outrage, you know, Lincoln's project, like, oh, they're heroes. Now there's some smart guys there. You know, but we lost Max Cleland this week. You know, Max Cleland's life was destroyed by Rick Wilson. You know, Max Cleland was a guy who spent the rest of his life in a wheelchair because his legs got blown off in Vietnam. And then Rick Wilson launched a horrific campaign against him, questioned his patriotism, and a guy named Saxby Chambliss became the senator from Mm -hmm. Georgia. You know, just scumbag Republican dude who isn't even there anymore. You know what I mean? It was just a money mercenary transaction and they took out this guy max cleland spent suffered from depression it was trauma for him he spent five years and that dude you as somebody who spent time in a wheelchair it would take him like four hours in the morning just to get ready to go to work on capitol hill because his life was so difficult because he was in a wheelchair and it took him you know he had to put on his pants and do all this extra stuff that we don't even see this extra burden with living with disabilities that you got from serving your country, you know, in a horrible, unjust war, right? But you still did it. And then you went there and tried to change the laws. And then some slick guy who made $60 million just last year off of like bashing Trump. Yeah, they're bashing Trump, but they're also putting money in their own pockets. And I'm not trying to attack those guys. I happen to be sort of friends with Rick Wilson. I've interviewed him on other shows. He, we follow each other on Twitter. He did steal one of my jokes, but I let him have it, right? It was the fat Wolverine. 
Right. That's what I used to call Ted Cruz. And then he got all this credit and they wrote articles, Lincoln Project's new fat Wolverine goes viral. (laughs) And he's like, thanks. It's happy to be part of the team. He wasn't like, actually, Nolan said that about 20 times before in the last two years. That's how it is. It's a business, right? These, and that's how I want people to view it. These people are making money off of you. The hero you're looking for has not come forward yet. They're out there. You know, Greta Thunberg, you know, AOC, some, you can see the generation that has their heart in the right place and they're trying to get up there. But the powers that be are like, whoa, whoa, slow down now. That's not how we do things. You got to go through the right circumstances. You got to let Steve Bannon turn himself in on Monday morning, right? They didn't, they don't let any of the hundreds of black men that get murdered in the streets of America wait till Monday morning. They didn't go up to Minnesota. They didn't say, hey, George Floyd, you need to come in Monday morning. We think you passed a, a fake $20 bill, right? They choked him to death on the street in front of his community, right? There's two sets of justice in America. This is an apartheid state, okay? And a lot of white people like to pretend that it's not. That's the reality, is that white people don't want to be offended by how fucked up things have been in this country for too long, for too many people. And we think, hey, we shouldn't talk about that. That's not polite. Until you talk about it, you don't get past it. It's like when you get sober, Jimmy, you do a fourth step. The fourth step is where you do what's called a moral inventory. You write down all the bad shit you've done in life, and then you admit it to another person. You say, I did this out of fear, out of jealousy, out of anger, out of resentment. We're a whole country that's been doing policy out of those same things for hundreds of years. And we don't really want to talk about it because I personally didn't do it. You know, that's the big excuse white America gives themselves. Well, nobody gave me a handout. My grandfather came here from Italy and like, you know, started putting in paving stones and and, and then built up this business. And now I got to give somebody else who doesn't want to work. Dude, everybody wants to work. Okay, it's harder to work if you're coming up with, you know, the system's boot on your throat. If you're viewed as a criminal every time you walk in a store and have an arrest record by the time you're 25, how are you supposed to work, right? You got busted for the same thing that country club kid got away with. He's in Stanford right now and you're you're in fucking lockup, right? Who's going to get the job on the other side? Who's going to get the political power? Who's going to control the money? That's what we're about. That's where we're at. You know, all the evil and all the bullshit we've done, we have to get honest with. You know, we have to educate people. That's why they want to burn books. That's why they use CRT as the new catchphrase to just terrify people. And it works. That's why you got a Republican and governor, governor of Virginia now. It works like a charm. Their, their game plan is laid out in front of them. The left is going to try to fight back. But as I said, we're going to nip at each other over terms. And anybody who's not making a million dollars with their pact is just going to walk away and say, you know what? I'm not even bothering anymore. Go watch your little videos and share them with your friends and enjoy living under an authoritarian rule. I didn't think that Fahrenheit uh, 451 would be a prophecy. You know, like I read it in high school thinking we're never going to get there. But we're at the brink of that, um, yeah, man. you know, and it's scary. Like that's, I know that's simplified, but, um, you know, one, one thing that I did this week that kind of humbled me a little bit, I went to 
a great place uh, for lunch. It's called the Working Man's Friend in Indianapolis. It's one of the oldest uh, restaurants in town. It opened in 1918 uh, when the last pandemic was ongoing. And uh, the owner of it knew my great-grandmother. And my great-grandparents, um, one time my family came from Russia, you know, to the United States wanting a better life for them and their kids, you know. So to meet somebody that knew my great grandparents and were the first generation of Americans to be here. And I got to enjoy something that they did, you know, back in the day, it was humbling to see. Um, but it also told me that we've been through other things before. Um, this is the most challenging thing and the biggest threat to our Republic, but it kind of brought me back to like, there were people that came from humble beginnings in your family and they would be proud of you where you are now. So don't make it about us versus them. We're all in, the, in this together, trying to build a better thing for everybody at the end of the day. Or what are we here for? Right. You know? Yeah, well, that's where we should be. Well said, Jimmy. And I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed it. The Working Man's Dead is also a great Grateful Dead album. Oh, yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, Always my, looking for new music. Well, that you, new music. It came out in 1970. New for me. <laughs> new for me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, and that's the one where my boys, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, taught the dead kind of how to sing. You know, that was where they just they went down to acoustic instruments and tried to tighten up their song structure and their harmonies. It's a great album. Uncle John's Band, you know, that song, Come Here, Uncle John's Band. Yeah, I'm sure I've heard it before. Oh, you're fired. Okay, Jimmy, we'll have a new host next week. Jimmy's never heard Uncle John's Band. But um, <laughs> how about Adele? You heard of Adele, Jimmy? Yes, I've heard of Adele. Okay. Yeah. She's got a special on this tonight. She's a crazy singer like that. I, I was doing a VMAs out in LA at the Staples Center. And uh, I was sitting at my desk. The production office was just off of the uh, the main part of the arena and it was empty, you know, and she was sound checking and I'm sitting at my computer, same one I'm talking to right now, actually. And uh, I hear this singing, you know, and I just gone through a, a, this breakup and I hear this singing and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm trying to ignore it, but it just keeps coming through. It's like going right into my soul. And it was that the big hit. This was like kind of right when she broke. So I was like, you know what? This sounds so good. It was just her and a guy at a piano. Let me go watch this. And mm -hmm. I went and watched and I'm trying to not think about this breakup and, you know, like not deal with this stuff and get through my work day. And I go sit in the part of the arena. I'm like by myself in the whole like mezzanine at the Staples Center. And there's a guy there playing piano and it's Adele. And she sings that song like, old friend, why are you so scared? You know that song? Yeah, yeah I know big, what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know why it's in somebody like you or whatever, uh -huh. however it goes, uh -huh. you know, that big hit song, you know, and sure. I'm blubbering, dude, because it's like <laughs> he's just singing to me and it's so powerful. And and that's what art does. You know, it shows us the common, the common like emotions that we all share, you know, and she's a great artist. I'm just mentioning that because I saw like that she has a CBS special, a new album coming out. Like that's a legit real artist. And when you feel something like that and you're in the room with a bunch of other people or you're sitting there by yourself or somebody sort of touches you, you know, where you live in your heart space, like that's, those are the gifts that you need to, you need to honor in life and that you need to pay forward. And you don't need to be an Adele to do that, but you need to take that empathy and that spark of humanity and figure out a way to kind of share it. You know, as we were saying last week, like you have to find your own magic and then share it with the world. And that can be anything. It can be saving creatures. It can be making 
healthy choices, you know, and thankfully the younger generation is much more hip to the environment because it's on them. It's coming, you know, it's rained here for the last two days, like nor'easters, you know, and then, then it'll be 70 degrees in November. It's a horror story at this point, Jimmy. You know, when you watch a horror movie and like the teenage girl is walking out in the backyard <laughs> to see why the dog is barking. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, I'll just walk out there in my bikini at night and see why the dog's all upset. <laughs> you know, like there's a monster out there. That's where we're at, you know, with the environment, right? And a lot of people just want to pretend it's not happening on both sides of the aisle, right? People are trying to be outraged that you're paying $4.40 for a thing of gas. It's $10 in Asia. It's $8 in Europe. They were paying $5 a gallon of gas 20 years ago, like we should have been. It's a luxury product. It shouldn't be cheap. It's like I was saying about those clothes or a hamburger. You know, a hamburger shouldn't be $2, Jimmy. It's a human, it was an animal. It was a living creature. That should be a luxury, especially for what it does to the planet to raise that many cattle so Burger King can sell it at a cheap price for somebody. It can give somebody a heart attack by the time they're 60. You know, it's not even good for you. Those things should be taxed like vices. Things should be expensive. Gas should be at the top of that list. And that may be unpopular, but cheap gas and just overconsumption, that was our gift to the world. That's what America has given the world. We destroyed it. And all the while we were doing it, we sold you this myth that we were the good guys. We were the heroes. We won World War II. Yeah, we did. We also got in real late. Canada was already there fighting. We had to be shamed into World War II. And we had people that didn't even want to fight. And then when it came to fight, we had real heroes who showed up and fought. You know, they stormed the beaches at Normandy, certain death, and they did it anyway. I'm not denigrating the heroism. Both of my grandfathers, intelligence officers in World War II that spent the rest of their careers serving our country, one in the NSA and one in basically foreign service, CIA kind of stuff, who had a big part in Vietnam and regretted it because he saw the corruption of it ultimately. But that's what we need to do. We need to get honest about why we fight wars, why we sell stuff, what our TV stations are really selling you, you know, and get real as a people because we can do great things. The nation that did win World War II, because ultimately we did win it. Let's face it, without our economic might and without just the sheer number of soldiers we could have we sent over there, it would have been all over. Right. Like Europe was already occupied and overwhelmed. So we were the heroes. But after it ended, it was like, we did the whole thing ourselves by a Cadillac, <laughs> you know, listen to Elvis, yeah. you know, like here's John Wayne. Everybody who did it was white too, right? <laughs> it wasn't the case. And the black troops that came back from World War One and World War II still had to move off the sidewalk if a white man was crossing in front of them. They had to get out of the way. That's reprehensible. That's disgusting. And that should be taught to every student in every elementary school so it never happens again. That's not what you hide from. That's what you own so it doesn't happen again. And that's what they're fighting against now. That's what the GOP is fighting to preserve, the myth of American sort of white Christian supremacy. Because it's a myth. If Jesus was alive today, they would murder him, okay? The Republicans would have thrown him in a cage and set it on fire if he was talking about giving to the poor and treating your neighbors equally. You think Trump would have shared the stage with Jesus? He would have been so jealous. The dude doesn't like Christmas because it's not about (laughs) him. I'm not kidding. He hates Christmas parties and all that because it's not about him. He doesn't get it. He gets really mad. He can't sit there for too long if you're not paying attention to him. He's 
He's I've asked you this before, brother, but do you think Trump thinks he's a god? Does he realize yeah. that he's a human being? Yeah. He thinks he has the power over life and death, and he thinks nothing of people dying. It just came out that, the, he, that there were just these documents were released on Friday from the mm-hmm. Oversight Committee that's looking into the pandemic, that they were pressuring the CDC to lie about how bad COVID was in the early days, and then they were destroying the documents that they did this on. <laughs> Right. And Stephanie Wolkoff, who I know, said he would have all these private meetings at that time up in the residence. So it wasn't part of the record and they could just destroy the papers, you know, in his in the trash, you know, where he throws his empty Adderall bottles and stuff. <laughs> so they were trying to pretend like it wasn't that big a deal because it was going to hurt him politically. Now, we all know that, you know, when he kept the people, the 50 people who had it on the boat and he's like, I don't want to bring up the numbers. It'll, it's only going to hurt me. But the fact that they were lying downplaying science and trying to adjust it and spin it to make it look better that's a war crime man 700,000 people died and he thought nothing of it and that's why I spoke out by the way why I broke my NDA was like I tried to get my colleagues to do it and they were like well I want to work again you know it's not worth it he'll sue me and you know I said nobody's gonna work if this guy's president you know how crazy he is and what (laughs) happened nobody worked for a year and a half the whole country shut down they didn't make any freaking tv shows last year Mm -hmm. you couldn't go to work because the guy mismanaged it and i knew he would do that i didn't foresee a pandemic i thought it was going to be like a nuclear war you know that's what i was worried about and and there's he tried to do that he asked if he could nuke a hurricane (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) like he wanted to drop bombs all the time and he did he dropped a moab bomb in pakistan and in in afghanistan a bomb that had never been used before no other president had used that bomb we've had it but bush Obama, nobody wanted to, it was, it's basically like a nuclear bomb, the amount of damage it does. And Trump dropped it just for the hell of it, you know? So yeah, he, he thinks he's, he's a psychopath, you know, he knows deep down how how awful he is because that's the, the root of all addictions is you have this hole inside of yourself that you're just like, I'm a piece of shit, (laughs) you know, (laughs) nobody loved me. Right. So that's, that's, that's his base level. And he knows it. you can see it in his eyes. You could see it in that moment where he got booed at the baseball game a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and you see him kind of cry and water up and sucking up his emotions. So he knows. He knows his kids don't like him. Like, that's why he has to pay everybody to hang out with him. You know, and the only guys that are attracted to him are these little Goomba New Yorker guys, you know, like, I want to be your lawyer, Mr. Trump. You know, that kind of <laughs> You know what I mean? I'll shake down the porn star for you. You know, like... <laughs> It's those kind of guys, this little mooch and, you know, it's, it's Guido's, you know, he attracts yeah. Guido's, you know, that, that's, that's part of New York. The guys that were gri- driving the Camaros and working out and hey, I'm selling Bitcoin now. Well, why don't you come join me? I'm going to yeah. take over the world. Okay. Oh, didn't work out. I'm going to start a podcast. Now I'm on the left. <laughs> cops, cops love him. You know, yeah. it's that binary. You're on my side. You can do no wrong. That's why Trump got away with sexual assault so often because he had Keith Schiller, ex NYPD sergeant, who is a uh-huh. rammer on the narcotics squad. That was Keith's job was knocking down doors when they were do- doing drug raids. He was on the narco task force in the Bronx. So mm-hmm. Keith was a guy who went with that big steel thing that knocked in your door. Yeah. So called yeah. a rammer. And, and then they would recover all the product, all the kilos of Coke that were in these safe houses. And after he was doing that, he walked up to Trump in court one day and said, you need to hire me to be in your security team. 
Because he lost something, obviously, and one of those raids, like you just lost some product last night that if I was on the payroll, would have ended up in Trump Tower in Bindles instead of in an evidence locker at NYPD. And Trump hired him and that's what happened, you know? And and nobody wants to talk about who Trump really was because of the same thing I'm always pointing to, this corporate media engine. You don't think everybody knew who he was? You know, not everyone knew about certain stuff. Not everyone knew about the drugs and, but everybody knew about how he treated women. That was, he said it publicly, you know, everyone knew he wanted to bang Ivanka. Everyone knew she would give him lap dances. Like there's photographs of this stuff. Everybody who worked on a show with him saw how he behaved. Everyone went home and told their wives about it. It was disgusting, but he existed in a world that allowed other people to make money. And if you can do that in America, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Bernie Madoff went to prison because he ripped off the wrong guys, right? He was running a Ponzi scheme for a long time, but ultimately he lost the wrong, the wrong people's money and they took him down. Bitcoin and all this other stuff is your next Ponzi scheme. It's terrifying. You know, I just wow. saw that your, your quarterback boy is selling Bitcoin. I didn't know that Aaron Rodgers has the little laser beam eyes on his Twitter page and stuff. And he's got all these tweets about Bitcoin and how he wants to get paid in Bitcoin. It, they should call it bro coin, right? Like, <laughs> bro coin. Not, yeah, you should get in on bro coin, bro. Yeah, you know, John Gruden, a guy who had a written record of hate. You know, not only was his record uh, extensive when it came to hate, it was written down. He's suing the NFL now for trying to ruin his career. Dude, you ruined it yourself. You wrote it in emails. He's you know? suing the NFL. Yeah, he's suing Roger Goodell in the NFL for like career damages. He's already made forty Shut million dollars. That's, that's white privilege. Right? I'm, telling you. I, I'm just taking my headphones off. What can I add <laughs> to that? He's suing the NFL. And it, it's not like he's not getting paid out on some of his contract for firing him, right? He doesn't get the whole thing, but they're not yeah. sending him out the door with bus fare, you know, and, and half a sandwich or something, right? He's getting millions of dollars and how he's suing because he's been wronged. I wanted to end the show here, but we got to talk about the legal system. You know, wealthy white people can abuse and use the legal system to their advantage ad nauseum. Uh Generally, what happens is it wears everybody else down, right? Trump was involved in 4,000 lawsuits before he became president. Think about that. Over 4,000 lawsuits before he was even president. You wouldn't get to be a school principal in a town if you had a record like that. It'd be like, no, dude. Let's just, the common denominator here is you. Why are you always ending up in court? But he knew he could pay somebody or he could sue them, you know, and, and, and little Joey Woodfloors down there in, you know, Ocean County, New Jersey could only right. afford to sue for so long. And then ultimately he'd take pennies on the dollar. And that's what Trump does to people, you know, and, and somehow we're acting like we're all afraid of it. We have the United States Department of Justice. They're supposed to be on our side. Yeah, everyone was rejoicing that like Steve Bannon got a subpoena. So what? It's just Steve Bannon. Go freaking take Trump out of there, like shackled around his ankles, you know, and his little wrist, get some really small handcuffs and throw him on that motherfucker and perp walk him out of Mar-a-Lago and I'll be impressed. Issuing an arrest warrant on a podcast host and allowing him to turn himself in Monday morning preserves that sort of we have dignity because I'm a wealthy white American who can afford a lawyer. As I said earlier, you know, it's disgusting. Uh, Let me give you an example and then we'll shut up. And uh, I I don't know how many people know this. I probably talked about it before, but Trump had a helicopter called 
Fred Weichelbaum or something like this, right? It was Trump's personal helicopter pilot in like the 80s and 90s. And the guy got busted for flying a bunch of kilos of cocaine up to Ohio, mm-hmm. right? Right. Doing drug buns. He, got, he gets busted in Ohio for, for, for moving serious weight, like kilos, yeah. pounds of cocaine, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. They get the case transferred from the federal jurisdiction in Ohio into Trump's sister's jurisdiction in North Jersey. His sister was a federal judge who helped him with tax evasion and obviously had to leave her position when he became president, you know, and again, escape any consequence, right? Mm -hmm. But um, so they move it into her district in North Jersey. She knows, you know, it's Trump's pilot so she's it's going to look bad so she recuses herself but handpicks the judge that she puts in her place and he's sympathetic to the cause and he reads a letter aloud in court written by trump about what a great guy his helicopter pilot is right and then the guy essentially gets a slap on the wrist gets like a year or 14 months or something up in danbury which is a nice, you know, no, no prison is nice, but it's not, it's not Rikers Island. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a sure. federal, you know, place does 14 months or whatever gets out and Trump gives him a condo in Trump tower. And the guy gets to sell drugs for the rest of his time, you know, working for Trump, but he gets rewarded like by like a mob boss, right? Like you kept your mouth shut. You did your time. Here's your reward. Capiche? Loyalty. And no, right. And nobody even talks about that case, you know, and that's just one of the things that Trump did. That's in the book. You know, there's a guy named James James Zirin who wrote a book about the four thousand cases. You know, and that's just one example. Most people probably listening to this podcast don't know that story. They have no idea. Like you tell them about like his executives that died in the helicopter crash. I didn't know that happened. There's stuff like that all over this dude, right? So you could have dug into that and, and take it from that angle. Take it from the angle of how. The judicial system is a weapon for the wealthy, you know, and will keep a lot of people out of trouble for too long. And now it's shaped and eroded the structure of this country because it allowed somebody like Trump, who never should have gotten 10 feet, you know, within the White House or 100 feet or 1,000 feet in front of the White House, sat there for four years, still hasn't conceded and is trying to run again. You know what I'm saying? And will run again. He will run again. What do you think? You think Trump's going to go to prison or he's going to? What do you think you're going to see sooner, Jimmy? Trump giving a speech running for president or Trump walking into the gates of a prison? He's going to be running for president. He wants the grift, if for nothing else. You know, he'll get the cash and then hand it to DeSantis. You know, I I don't think, hopefully Trump will die between now and 24. You know, I, I think with the amount of drugs he's done, somehow he's managed to stay alive artificially with all the IVs that get pumped into his veins. But yeah, I think DeSantis or, you know, Paul Gossar, we didn't talk about that psychopath, posting a video of AOC being murdered. And, and Matt Gates is still serving on committee. Like, it's, no, a, exactly. it's a BS deal, okay? Like, we, we've tried to warn for months now, but it, it's pretty damn clear. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and their excuse is always, it was a joke. Well, you know what? Not funny. funny. Well, look, Hitler used cartoons. That's how you spread anti-Semitism. Back in World War II, they did it in cartoons, little cartoon ads, anti-Semitic stuff. You know, and that guy, J.D. Peckerwood, I call him. J.D. Uh-huh. Vance, another one of these butter-in-the-milk-faced dude. Looks like he drinks bacon fat smoothies for breakfast. <laughs> like, his whole thing defending Kyle was anti-Semitic. He started talking about global monotonous or trying to take down a kid. The wolves are at the door, you know, all these dehumanizing things that you're talking about the other, and it's dangerous. 
because most people don't want to admit it and they don't know that Germany was the highest educated nation on the planet, basically, in the 30s. You know, their level of education over the people that are supporting Trump is mind blowing. And they went for it. They looked the other way. That's why the Allied forces forced the German people to go and tour the concentration camps after we liberated them because we wanted to show them this is what you did. This is what looking the other way and going along with fascism looks like. This is what happened to your friends and neighbors. Live with that. And they were smarter than Americans. You know, look, we saw Kyle Rittenhouse's mom, <laughs> you know, like we're not playing with a full deck here already. Right. Yeah. You know, it's sugar, mm-hmm. salt and fat. That's the American diet. I'm saying that metaphorically, but it also right, does man. something to your brain when, when you all you <laughs> consume is Fox News and cheeseburgers. Right. Yeah. You, you are what you eat. So that's why they're like, eat more of it. Don't look at books. Look at guns. Look at the Bible. Look at all this other stuff. It's an epidemic and it's dangerous. It's a cancer, you know, that's eating this country from within. And it has to be treated in a way that it isn't being treated yet. You know, what we're doing now will not win this, win this oh, battle. No. Hell no, it won't. So on that happy note, folks, <laughs> also gratitude. Look, here, I know this stuff is a bummer. This is like talking about the issues, right? But every day you wake up, you have the choice to just live that 24 hours ahead of you as the best version of you you can be, okay? And none of this bad news is going to stop you from being kind, right? It's not going to stop you from making a difference, from looking at the choices and choosing something that's better for the planet, you know, of saying, hey, it's the last disposable bottle of shampoo I'm going to buy. You know, I'm not going to put Drano down my drain every time like there's hair in the sink because that's going to end up in my groundwater, you know, and that's going to make the frogs have 10 eyes and stuff, (laughs) you know, like there's all kinds of little things you can do. And when you feel overwhelmed, that's what you have to bring it to bring it back to the breath, bring it back to just gratitude. How can I be kinder to myself today and to to my friends and neighbors? Because it's like you said, Jimmy, people want to be nice. That's the other thing, you know, it's easy to be anonymous online and hate each other. It ain't so easy to do that in person, you know, and and not even because of the threat of physical retaliation, but just because it feels better to be nice. It feels better to hold the door for somebody and say, hey, after you have a good day, bro. Thanks. You too. That feels good. That's love. That's an exchange of love and positive energy that gives you both a better result. And we, that that's the campaign we need, yeah. right? Every opportunity you have to be kind, take it, share it. You can't OD on good things, on gratitude. Well, and energy, uh, I know this as a person with a disability, it's a finite resource like money or anything else. You know, use it appropriately. Invest it in the things that are going to give you more energy you know there are people that when i get done talking with them like like you i feel better you know don't don't be around the energy suckers you know you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with too so it might include meeting new people and trying to learn something new about somebody that you don't know i know that seems like a basic thing but it's you know in my podcast i try to talk to folks that i wouldn't normally talk to and learn about them because that helps me learn you know well said jimmy and tell them where they can find your podcast jbkonair.com uh my initials jbkonair you can find it uh on there and um talk to my buddy michael lee uh who graduated from the university of indianapolis with me he's a chiropractor um 
and is going to be opening his own private practice uh, in Indy and uh, talked a lot about movement and just, you know, he was like, you don't have to weight lift <laughs> to be in, in shape. Any kind of movement is good. So uh, for anybody wanting to get in better physical shape, I would recommend listening to my buddy, Mike. Yeah. Move a muscle and change a mood. That's how it goes. You know, move for an hour a day and you'll, you'll be better. So, uh, all right. Well, there you go. And I'm Noel Kassler. You can find me at noelkassler.com. You can still get tickets from my show at the Wall Street Theater this Thursday, November 18th. It's going to be a big night for me. Thanks for coming. Anybody who's, who's coming on here, come say hi to me afterwards. I'll be out in the lobby. I got some t-shirts for sale. I'll be at the City Winery in Boston on December 23rd for two shows, 6 and 9 p.m. And then I'll be in New York City in January at the Iridium. And you can always find me on Twitter, you know, with those mean jokes. That's me. <laughs> but I love you. Exactly. But I love you guys. And I want you to take care of yourselves. And we're going to make this uh, we're going to make this the best version of the U.S. we've ever had. So I know it's dark. We got to be honest about where we're at. A business that doesn't like taken on this inventory is kidding themselves about the value of their goods, right? That's all we have to do. We just got to do a little house cleaning and uh, get everybody on the same page and we'll make this a better place. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week and, and take care. Peace.